Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is a spoiler warning. If you have not seen season one, episode five of The Power, and you want to, Probably only listen to the first half of this podcast where we talk a bit of shit because then about halfway through we're going to chat about that episode and we're going to chat about it real good and we're going to ruin it for you. Um, Watch the show. It's really good. We love it. But don't forget to come back and listen to what we have to say. Um, That's all. Thank you. Bye. Peace. I hate the word. Hello and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizamo Rama, a podcast where each week Mission Zach li- uh, listen to, watch, play something starring our one of our favourite uh, character actors and one of our favourite actors, the one and only John Leguizamo. I am one of those co-hosts. I'm Zachary Ruane. You might know me from um, the uh, play, uh, doing unrecognisable voice work in the Australian release <laughs> of the Dungeons and Dragons film, uh, not the Jeremy Irons one. Mm. I am or Thora Birch one. Yep. I am joined as always by my co-host Mitch. Mitch. Mitch from Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Witchrup. <laughs> Who you might know from. Oh, being called Mitch in primary school is a bully word. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I didn't get bullied often in school, but when I did, it was they would call me Mitch because they thought it would really bother me, and it did a bit. Oh, that's um, a or shame. they'd call me the Michelin Man. Oh, that's tough. And so kids are cruel, but creative. Like, that is clever. Yeah, that's clever. That's cleverer than anything I ever got. Yeah, well, I, yeah. But um, that's okay. It didn't bother me too much. I blocked it out a lot, and now I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unaffected. <laughs> Did you get bullied in school? Uh, yeah, yeah, but not. I mm, Like, in my world, mm. in my interpretation of it all, I don't, I remember thinking in high school, that the notion of a bully mm. and a victim of a bully was a bit of a weird concept. That was how it was always represented in TV and movies and like educational videos. Like this person's a bully and this person is being bullied. And I think that I think that even then I was aware it was a lot more complicated than that. Like everyone bullies everyone. Mm. And there's like just all these different dynamics and and everyone is a bully to someone else and someone's getting bullied by someone else. Like the cool kids at my school weren't really like there was a couple of moments and bad ones, but but they just more didn't know I existed. Yeah, fair. I was like the poster child for someone who should have been bullied, but I just didn't, and especially not in high school. I just avoided it. The people who did get bullied were the ones that were like very, very pretty and smart and all the boys liked. So they're the ones that were like, oh, my God, you're a slut. There was a lot of that. Oh, God. I know. It was horrible. But I avoided it. I became friends with um, a very popular person in my year level. And because I was friends with her, people left me alone because they were all scared of her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, most of my things were like run-ins, but I just largely knew to avoid. There was one year level where I I didn't have any friends in my grade and I didn't move and that was a weird year level. Mm. Um, There was a weird set of bullying I got for a while, which was – not from someone from my school. It was from someone from a school near my house who used to put old sandwiches in my mailbox. So they were much more like bullying my mum than That's me. Strange. I didn't check the mail yeah. when I was young, but they used to put their old sandwiches in my mailbox. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I wasn't like I, – I, I had a f- friend who was like really badly bullied. I wasn't like the – I wasn't like the – like I wasn't like a nerd. Mm. But like just – I was a big personality, but also like 
on my own fucking track and like, but I, but I wasn't a nerd. Yeah. I was, yeah. but I wasn't like a nerd. Like a dork. I wasn't a dork. Yeah. I was friends with the dorks. You were peculiar. I was a peculiar child. Yeah. You know. That's fair. People Do assume. Do you think that we would have been friends in high school? Yeah. I also think I would have been a very different kind of person if I'd grown up in the city and gone to schools in the suburbs or the city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. I, I think that, and I think we would have been friends. I just think I would have been an even, I would have been a really big personality. Mm. I think I would have been a really big, big, big personality and very confident and very, um, I think that certain schools, there's aspects of my personality that might, I don't know. Yeah, I just think I would have been a very different person. Mm, fair call. I think a lot of what I am mm. and a lot of who I am, where I grew up, not to be, but where I grew up, there was no sense that those were the makings of anything that could work as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I, I think if I'd gone to a different kind of school, there would have been a bit more of like, well, this kid could be this, you yeah. know, but like I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I think I grew up to be exactly what my teachers thought I was going to be, to be completely honest yeah. with you. Yeah, whereas there's no concept of what you've become yeah. where I grew up. Yeah, I understand. They're like, I don't know what this child will be. <laughs> <laughs> like, could be a serial killer? Like, it's possible. This is like any child we've ever had like this mm-hmm. has become a heroin addict living in the small country yeah, town. Yeah, yep. So they think that that's the path of a child like me, not that they cause children like me to become that. Um, uh, you couldn't pay me to go back to high school. Oh, my God, no, no, no. Awful. No. I reckon that the worst is year, not, is year 10. That's my – I think if you're in year 10, if you're listening to this in year 10, it doesn't get much worse than this. Year 8 for me was my worst. Really? Year. Yeah, but that was because I was in the year level. with. Like I made some friends, mm. but – yeah, year eight was rough for me. Um, but also, like, yeah, the year 10, 11, like, like, I know it's such a cliche, but, like, it, it's way too much pressure to put on kids. Mm. And, and you've spent your entire life virtually from the age of six living one kind of way, doing things one kind of way. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you think at all differently to the way that school rewards people for thinking, if your strengths are, at all don't align with what school rewards you mm-hmm. for having, when you're 18 years old and you're in year 12, year 11 or 12, you like like you don't know that there's a there's spaces or a world, except for maybe your part-time job or your hobbies or your amateur theatre, you don't know that there's a world that isn't structured like school. Mm. And so you think it's like the end of the fucking world that you don't know how to do an exam. (laughs) I don't know. Fuck high school. No, honestly. Like, fuck high school. Yeah. Anyway, this is weird. We're a bit tired. Yeah, man. (laughs) So I don't know if we're going to be funny if we're not careful. (laughs) Hey, man, no, we're having our little, like, we're having our pensive period, I think, (laughs) in podcasting. We've not been funny for months. Is this going to come out before your Sydney shows, this one? No. No, this is after your Sydney shows. But we're recording this in amongst you doing shows. We're recording this in amongst me releasing my ABC show. I have just done, right now, as we record this, 12 shows in a row, nights. And it's killer, man. Like, it really is. Like, I think it. what's – I don't know if I've already discussed this on the podcast and if I have, I'm sorry. But I think from, like, an outsider's perspective, it's like you do a show, that's an hour, right? Mm-hmm. So, technically, I'm only working for one hour of the day. Yeah. But it's not like that. It's this build-up to it which is exhausting. The come down from it is exhausting. It's like – just, I'm so tired. You got to learn how to ride the waves. My sleeping patterns are fucked. I have a dog that wakes me up at eight o'clock, That's and then bad. this morning my dog saw a cat. Oh, hey, I'm just going to chat to all my dog owner listeners out there. Please tell me if you can relate to this. I feel like I can talk about this. This is a point of yeah. Why not? So I have a reactive dog, right? Um, great with people. Doesn't get along with other animals very well. 
particularly doesn't like cats. Now, we went for a walk this morning, right? And it's taken me years with my Stanley. He's the best dog in the world. My very best friend. I'm obsessed with him. It has taken me years to comfortably enjoy a half a half an hour walk with my dog, trying to get him to walk next to me, keep his attention, all that shit, right? Now, we have really good half an hour walks every single morning and like it's it's great. We've gotten it's working. But if he sees a dog or a cat, it takes me like, you know, a bit of time to kind of get him away from that situation, calm him down, give him treats, whatnot. And we have a whole pattern and I constantly have a 360 view of everything that's happening around me on these walks. They're the most unrelaxing things on the planet, but they're for him. They're not for me. Yeah, yeah. Right. This morning went for a walk with him. 25 minutes of walk. It was perfect. Everything was going really well. The sun was out. He was having a little sniffy. He was eating his little chicken treats and we were loving our walk. I'm rounding the corner to go back to my house and I see that a house is for sale. So I'm looking at the sign going, oh, I wonder in what kind of alternative dimension I'd be (laughs) able to fucking- What life choices (laughs) could have led led me to actually buying this fucking property. I'm looking at it. It's got a couple of bedrooms looking in the backyard. And all of a sudden a cat- jumps out in front of us Uh, by, I kid you not, one metre away. I could have reached out and touched this cat. That's how close this cat was. They they do that, don't they, where they're just like there. And they jumped and he just stared at Stanley. And Stanley, my beautiful fucking 40 kilo staffy boxer, just launched himself at this cat. The cat got away, but Stanley pulled me to my knees and dragged me the length of a house. Jesus Christ. That's how strong my dog was. He ripped off the skin from the palms of my hands. I tore a hole in me oh. leggings. And meanwhile, I'm making like guttural sounds. And I think I said something like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Someone came out of the house with a uh, dog. <laughs> Which also was just like, are you okay? And then Stanley saw the dog and wanted to get at the dog. Like, and by the way, he's not an aggressive dog. He's just like very reactive. He wants to jump all over things, right? And so then he pulls me towards the dog and it was just the most impossible. I ended up having, he's got like a handle on his harness. I ended up having to like lift him from this harness and wrestle him, like literally hold him while he wrestled about panic attack, like full-blown puppy panic attack. And it was the most Awful, probably went for about maybe, maybe a minute. Awful minute. I went home, I burst into tears. Oh, mate. I'm, I love my dog. He's the best thing that's ever happened in my whole life and oh, I mean you that. You don't need those qualifiers, I know. But know. having a reactive dog is so hard. And I would just love to, I honestly, this is the truth, please contact me if you are a reactive dog owner so that we can bond together about it because you often feel a bit alone You do. It's very hard because it's such hard work. I haven't spoken about that really on the pod. I don't talk about Stanley's reactivity because it's private and that's his business. (laughs) And because you're a hero, you, 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 because he's a rescue, yeah. He's a rescue, yeah. I did, I I, um, I adopted Stanley. Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) I also think that message was also for cat owners that fucking let their cats out. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. Yeah, it's just insane. If you're a cat owner that lets your cat out, you're putting your cat in constant danger yeah. from being killed by a dog and you, you are killing little birds and possums. Ah, yeah, there you go. But also, whatever, I wear fast fashion and eat meat. Oh, so that's it. What am I, who am I to judge? Yeah, true. But, like, I just, it was just, that's my story from the morning. I'm sorry, that went for a long time. We've lost no, so many No, it's good. I just remembered that. that I hadn't bought a ticket to the comedy show I was going to see after we recorded this podcast. So I used that story as an opportunity to buy a ticket. You're seeing my show. I, gave, I got you a ticket. Yeah, there's more than one show. Oh. Your, your show's who at 9.30. Seeing? I'm seeing uh, Lou Wall versus <gasps> the internet. Oh, apparently it's so good. Yeah, I've heard really good things. Apparently uh, it's phenomenal this is uh shout out to lou wall shout out to lou wall i've not seen them but i've heard really great things so i'm gonna go see that show and uh uh it's weird it's weird to say that i'm gonna go see a show um in this public kind of setting like usually i say once i've seen a show but um no one's gonna know yeah no well they are and uh yeah i've heard great things this is a great little shout out yeah fuck yeah um i love doing comedy no do you go back to bed Huh? Do you go back to bed after you come or do you stay up all day and then do your show? 
Oh, I thought you were talking. Did you go to bed after the dog? Thing? No, no, but I would like, have liked cause you to. Because you wake up at eight. Eight. Do you ever do naps? No, I don't. I I do naps, but when my brain is really racy, like it is during comedy festival, I can't actually sleep. But yeah. So basically, the thing happened with Stanley this morning. I got home. I had a coffee. I let him calm down a bit. I came to record the pods. When I go home, I'm playing Sims Four. Oh, nice. That's how, like, I, I lie on the couch. It's not sitting up at my desk. I lie on the couch in pyjama pants with my dog lying, like, across my legs, and I play Sims 4 for about two hours. On the PS? On my Mac. Yeah. I tried. I download Sims, downloaded Sims on my PlayStation, and um, it didn't quite work on the PlayStation. I play Sims the same way every single time, and I really want to change it up. Okay. I either make myself... That's the most unprofessional thing I've ever done. Booked a ticket in the to middle. To book a ticket in the middle of a podcast is outrageous. I would argue that one of the most unprofessional you did. The whole thing was I was talking about my reactive dog situation that no one cares about. They're here for the funnies and for yeah. the John Leguizamo content, yeah. but I just needed to vent about my reactive dog while you booked a ticket to Lou Wall's comedy festival show. Like I, you know, but I what I saw when you started talking about this story about your dog, mm. I should have seen an opportunity to occasionally inject jokes into your serious rant. But what I saw was an opportunity to book a ticket to a show. <laughs> but I thought I did really well in the, oh, wow. Like the occasional- oh, I, I, no, I thought that you were um, looking up something to do with the episode. No, but- no, I was just booking tickets and then just throwing in the occasional, oh. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> no, I was listening. I, I listened know. to the story. I know. Um, um, Sims 4. I play Sims 4 the same way every time. I make myself, this is usually how it happens. I make a version of myself, yeah. but a bit hot. Right. <laughs> I have a bit of a hotter version of myself. Yeah. I give myself a very, very hot, arty boyfriend. <laughs> And, my sim or my we, wee, my sim or my wee is always one click skinnier than I. Am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in Sims, you can't give them a fat face, and I have ah. fat face, so it's all just like a big fat body. You but just, I, you just give your Sims endometriosis. Yeah. <laughs> But a big fat body, but then a huge ass and big titties. So it's all in proportion. And then I give myself a really hot, arty indie boyfriend. Yeah, and we spend right. the whole time woohooing and making babies. And um, to make money, I just do um, art. Gal- I just paint pictures and sell them to the art gallery. Amazing. <laughs> that is how. And then, and then I will go and make just more hot people and turn them into like dancers and stuff. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's, and it's only the base game. I'm not paying for the other packs. But it's fucking great. I like making houses. That's the main thing. The I, like des- I, I hate I hate doing structural stuff, but the um, interior design stuff is I love heaps of fun. Putting in a cheat code and making a dream house. Oh, Mish, mm. um, do you want to talk about episode five of uh, the show we watched? Oh my god, yes. Oh my god. But do you know what we have to do first? What? An ad. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Thank you so much for our sponsor. <laughs> we don't have any sponsors. Yeah, the um, amount of times that, that that we would say we're going to an ad and then just come back immediately oh, would be profound. A friend of ours said to me, "Oh my god, you've got you're getting like government money because there's government ads during your podcast." I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> that's not how it works." If you've heard an ad just now for like Nike or anything really, that's not because we're sponsored by them at all. We have no sponsors. No it's one like wants- YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's like YouTube. But we're getting a bit of that Nike money. Tom's getting the Nike money. Yeah, it's Tom. Podcast. We're yeah. making exactly. We're making a rain for Tom, Tom Armstrong. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> here's my blurb. Okay. In episode five of The Power, starring the two greatest character actors on planet Earth that we would prefer to refer to as ca- actors now, we learn heaps more about Tatiana, the wife of the old rich guy. I'm not too sure. Is he like a politician? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's his job? He's like the dictator. He's a dictator, yeah. So I, I got it. There's a lot of characters in this. <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. Um, he's just old rich guy, but politician. I knew he was a poly. Um, 
Oh, no. um, she was in line to be in, so Tati, we hear, learn more about her story. She was in line to be an Olympic gymnast when she was a kid, but this gross old man dictator guy decided he wanted to marry her and she wasn't able to pursue her career. It's a super tragic story and very creepy. Mm. There's also a sex trafficking ring that stops taking in girls out of fear of their powers becoming too strong. Zoya, Tatiana's sister, is one of the girls in the ring and we get a lot of flashbacks of them growing up together. There's obviously something that's happened between Tatiana and Zoya and we're not really sure yet at this stage what that is properly. Um, meanwhile, Tony Collette is now the face of a movement in support of the young women and their powers, demanding respect for body autonomy. Her son starts to follow an Andrew Tate equivalent on YouTube, believing that men are being stifled and unheard during this peculiar time. It's a very, very interesting little, um, I don't know, like reflection of what's happening in real life. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Johnny Legs is offered a lot of money and notoriety to help research and create and push a drug that will essentially kill the organ in these women that has now grown this electric eel organ. He refuses as he worries that this will damage the women and filled with fear, he tries to discuss this with his wife, but she's too caught up in her own political position and an important industry party that she has to attend. So instead he gets really drunk and they have a fight. And I would like to note that this is, I believe, one of the best fight scenes I've seen in television depicted between a married couple. Very real. Very real. Then Tony Collect smokes a joint with her daughter and asks for Joss to transfer powers to her, which she does. Tatiana also makes one of her staff transfer her powers to her. So there's a lot of transfer powers. Johnny Legs plays Rob again, but this time he's conflicted and drunk, but he's still a daddy. Wow. Good job. I know I left stuff out. The thing with these episodes is they are literally chock-a-block with information, a whole bunch of different stories. They're very chock-a-block. So I know I left stuff out, but I tried my best. No, that's really good, Mish. Thank good you. Job. Thank you so much. Um, can I, I've got a, I've got a thing. I've got a thing I want to talk to you about. Ooh. All right. Um, no, don't ooh, because it's about, it's an, uh, it's the ongoing thing. It's the sci-fi thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> because you like it. No, I like character. I want to talk about the drunk fight. And We can uh, talk about the drunk fight. That's the great thing about a podcast. We can talk about this sci-fi thing I'm about to bring up. Then we can talk Go about the Go on the sci-fi thing then. You know how? Mm. I miss. This is good. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> yeah. Because you like this show, yeah? Yes, I very yeah, much right. like this show. You know how we were talking, but this is as much my own point, right? You know how we were talking around episode one about how like it didn't need the sci-fi, it would have worked just as well as magical realism. Yes. What happens if they just woke up one day and they had these powers? Yes. And then we talked a little bit when they discovered the organ about how, like, oh, does it really need to be explained? That yeah. da, da, da. I think in this episode mm. there was, to my mind, a couple of things that I would want to raise that spoke to the specific uh, the specific advantages and strengths of making this sci-fi as opposed to magical realism. Yeah, I know. What you, yes, I agree with you. I, I just thought it was interesting. It just popped out to me. The first thing was the way they can transfer power. Mm -hmm. I thought that there's something really powerful in the imagery of this transferring of power, this idea of, you know, when it first happened, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, about how... It's interesting that it's not all women. It's just a group. It's an age group of women. Yeah. In particular, an age group of women that they explained in episode three, I think, um, they're, they're developing this organs as a protective instinct. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that's really interesting because it, it talks to how they're going to interact with older women. And that happened a little bit in the last episode yeah. with um, the nun and everything when, yeah. when she stepped up to the nun and said, you know, you're not in charge anymore or whatever. Yeah. But in this episode, they really started to explore the notion that while it, be, while it, it emerges in young women, mm -hmm. it can be transferred to older women. Oh, it's, yeah. And I think there was a couple of things about that from a storytelling perspective, but also just from a filmmaking perspective that was really, really powerful. Those two final images of, of a daughter almost consensually giving it to her mother and then a staff member kind of being made to give it to her boss. Mm. Um, it, it, like, it just opened up some really interesting ideas about power and consent and, 
and the, there was just something really beautiful about the idea that this is a power that can be gifted. Yes. You know, and I just thought that was really profound from like a literary kind of um, uh, it's, it's, I, notion. There was something really beautiful about that, right? Yeah. And I think that it being grounded in in a sort of realism with the sci-fi and this idea that like it's inherent within all of us but it has to be transferred that that beautiful kind of imagery and those beautiful ideas were i think benefited from the earlier setup of the organ and the transference mm-hmm. and i was like it's like uh, i agree with you i do agree with you and then the other thing i was going to say was um i think by making it sci-fi rather than magical realism the stuff with the medicine and the stuff with the can we treat it um, is also a benefit. There's this way that we can actually look at science and stuff in our world today and we can kind of put it up against this mm-hmm. in a way that you couldn't if you didn't sort of go for it. I just thought those were two points that I was like, because I was questioning it as well. Yes. I was questioning like, oh, what's the point? And I thought, no, here's a couple of reasons why this really works as a sci-fi and not something else. I agree with you. Yeah. I do enjoy this show. I'm not I'm, doing it. Just- <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no, I hear everything you're saying and I completely agree with it you. Just, it just sort of hit me because those were questions we raised a few weeks yeah. ago and it just was like. The metaphors in this show are just like insane. They're everywhere. Sometimes a little. Yeah. Like. Obvious? Yeah, and sometimes less obvious. The whole consent thing you just brought to my attention. That's the stuff I really I like didn't, in I this didn't show. pick up on, like, I definitely saw the difference between Joss giving it to her mother and that staff member giving it to Tatiana. But you mentioning it being like a form of consent, a gift that is given and not something that can be like demanded. And when it is demanded, it's not. It's consensual. just interesting. It's, it was it a just... really interesting, yeah. I found all the stuff about body autonomy very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it being this big new, like this representative thing of are we really going to take away women's rights to make the decisions about their own body? Do you know like, what I thought was a really interesting thing, right? Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it as a writing choice, but like the way they just like, no, I, I just thought it was really interesting, right? The choice to just be like, I feel like other writers would be like, oh, it's kind of about abortion. Mm. And then like even in this, the, a few episodes ago, I, I felt like they were going, this is a metaphor for abortion. Mm. To the point that in this episode, a character says to Tony Collette's yeah. character, you shouldn't be conflating this with yes. abortion. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that this, was a really interesting Like point. that yeah. choice of like it's not a metaphor, it's mm. a different thing, but is it the same? And like the, yeah. it's actually something they're tackling was yeah. really, you know. Really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just like such a clever show. That so I want to read the book. Apparently yeah. the book is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to read the book because it's such a clever – it's like – very rarely, I said this in the first episode, I think I was joking around, like I can't take more than four characters and if I'm given more than four characters in anything, I choose to follow four. Even if you're w- watching Neighbours, right? Yeah, yeah. You're it's like I like- can't follow all of those I am following. Imagine Harold, Dr. Carl and Susan, Have you watched Magnolia? Holly Valance. Have you seen Magnolia? <laughs> yeah. I think I made you watch it once. Yeah, I have seen uni. that. Yes, I have seen but that. But just that's like 50 characters. Yeah, I can follow in- four. I can take four yeah. and I can follow them. Um, but with this show, I feel like I'm keeping up. <laughs> I think yeah. they've just like they've made each of them really, really like I'm invested in all of their stories. I agree. Obviously, I have a little soft spot for the Tony and John situation. Um, yeah. Every time they come on screen, I just I wet myself. It's like it's it's a great pair. I'm just in shock that I'm just in shock that we've been given this gift. <laughs> People talk a lot about their favorite actors, right? But there's not enough comp Larry's, but there's not enough like talk about like when which actors are good together. Like who? Oh yeah, that's a whole like that's like a whole casting? chat. With yeah, chemist like bringing like chemistry is massive. Like it's massive. Yeah, it's just and I think that John. I don't know if they got along personally. I'm assuming they did because they both seem like really stand up people. But, like, the two of them together is a really believable married couple. Yeah. And I don't know if, how much work they had to put into doing that, but, the, like, it's just some of, like, and I really love it when it happens because we get so much, like, um, like carbon cutout relationship stuff in films and all of that shit, yeah. right? 
This was so. There's this big fight scene between the two of them, right? It's kind of at the climax of the episode. John gets embarrassingly drunk at this industry party that he goes to with his wife because he's just so stressed and he's so um, he's feeling so like fucked up, fucked about up shit. about everything. He gets really, really drunk, and she is embarrassed by what about how he like whatever. But she's embarrassed in the way a wife would be embarrassed by her husband getting drunk because he's feeling so stressed. Yeah. And it wasn't like this, you ruined me. You ruined my night. You embarrassed me. It was just like, what the fuck was that? And then he was really like, like. uh And at one point he was like, fuck you. And she was just like, okay. (laughs) And then the bit where he's like, because he's drunk, where he's just like, you got to, you don't talk to your kids anymore. Yeah. I'm going for a swim. Yeah. Which is so yeah. real. And she's it's- like, don't go. It's cold. <laughs> it was just like, it's, it, it was just like, real. I really hope that the next episode isn't them going through a dirty divorce or something because it's very much the vibe of like, you see, and she's just like, can you be quiet? The kids are sleeping. They'll come out into the back. He's like, are you guys, is he drunk? Yeah. She's like, yeah, he's drunk and he's out in the water. So like, I'm free. It was just really good. It was very like, it was funny because you know how we said, um, you know how we were saying, oh, I hope they don't fight. Mm. Um, because it's really nice to see a supportive husband. Yeah. Da, da, da. This fight mm. didn't feel like they weren't a team. It, yeah, it mm. didn't feel like the fight. Of, it felt like a team, and it felt like a supportive husband, and it felt like a, someone being like, "But I'm I'm a bit at my wits end right now. Mm. You need to change." And it just was actually really nice to see Absolutely. a fight that had a level of communication to it. Yeah, if that it, makes sense. It, it reminds me when I um when my partner and I first moved in together. Um, we had been together for over a year yeah. when we moved in together. Um, because I was just enjoying living by myself for a while. But when we moved in together, everyone told me it's like there's an adjustment period. There is an adjustment period to living with your partner. And I remember we had a fight once over something fairly trivial. Like it wasn't a a big thing, but we had a fight. Like it was probably he was upset with me about something I did and I didn't think he was listening or understanding me. And when the fight kind of ended, I was like, well, what's even the point? Like I don't – like I guess this is it and this is – I can't believe this is our relationship now and that this is whatever. And he was just like, no, no, this is very – like." It's we're not just because we had an argument, it doesn't mean that we're not still a team or that we're not still together. We're allowed to have these conversations um, and they can get a bit heated, but we just need to learn how to like let it not get. And it was just like, it's really nice because now like my partner and I've been together for so long that even when we have, we're very different people. When we have disagreements, we have arguments. If we ever have a fight, there's never that question of like, what does this mean? What does this even mean for us? Like, Because they never, it never really gets to that point because we're a little team and it's really nice. There's a point in it where he said to her, you know, you don't know your kids. Yeah. And then she was like, what are you talking about? I always make sure I get home on time. I always Mm. make, and he was just like, yeah, but you don't like listen. Mm. And I just thought it was such a nice Mm. thing that it was like. You do that out of necessity, not because. Yeah, you do it because it's part of like a checklist for you to get done. And it, and I really mm. liked that there was this sense of like this wasn't a man yelling at his wife for working hard. It wasn't a man yelling at his wife for being in a position of power. It was a partner saying to their partner, can you please just try and be a little bit more present in your kid's life? Mm. And it was just a really thoughtful way to execute it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, really nice. Um, it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful that they don't have a big breakup divorce. One of them becomes evil because right now the um, trajectory of their relationship is just really, really lovely. Well, if they do, I hope it's handled with a similar kind of grace and, mm. um, and thoughtfulness. But also the scene that followed with um, Tony Collette and Moana was really nice. <laughs> Yeah, Moana's great. Moana's really good. It was also, that's another, I think, very realistic relationship, this mother-daughter relationship. It's not like Susie Sunshine cuddles and kisses and breakfast at the dining room table every morning, you know what I mean? It's this very kind of like um, Tony's character's constantly just like, well, she hates me. She doesn't want anything to do with me because she doesn't want, like she doesn't. And they have this really lovely conversation where Tony Collette's a bit drunk and she's just like, I'm sorry, I'm not around. And then they go and smoke a joint on the balcony and they're just kind of like, what can I do? What would make things better for you? That's so nice. It was just so lovely. And then they transferred powers and it was just like, 
That's just like a, be- a really beautiful scene between a mother and a daughter. It's just so well done, mate. Yeah. I really like it. And I love the addition of this son that's kind of becoming a bit sodgy. Yeah. Not love it in like a that's the way the world should be. But what a wonderful, like, little interesting Liar. nugget of this this teenage boy that doesn't understand or comprehend what's going on, feels like he's being a bit um, overlooked and has this man, this Andrew Tate-esque character, who's speaking directly to him saying, you are important. Yeah, that's In fact, true. you're so important that this other stuff doesn't matter as much as your needs. And it's very easy, I think, for teenagers to get... To talk, talk to the pipeline. Yeah. Well, that's what these Andrew Tate soji types too do is they talk directly to lost boys. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that, that, that's that like... Um, yeah, mm. exactly. You need to talk to those boys. Mm. We Like, yeah, those For- boys need to be hearing positive stuff. Mm. Otherwise, they'll just hear that stuff. Mm. Yeah, I hope it's handled with as much grace as everything else. I'm really intrigued. I think, I mean, I've said it before, but sci-fi as a genre, you know that thing that like horror, I've said it before, but you know, like horror is at, at its best metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's a metaphor for something else. And sci-fi at its best, no matter how far in the future it's set, it's always about today. Yeah. The best sci-fi is always a comment about today. Absolutely. And even though this is set today, it's an interesting thing that it's not set in the future, it's set now, but it's about now. It's about here and now in our world. And mm-hmm. it's like if you just push one element, that's the thing, that's the way I've described sci-fi in the past. If you push one piece of technology, one piece of science, one thing, you just push it a little bit further, it says something. It kind of breaks society as it is today and it says something mm. interesting. And I think that's what this is, you know. It's a really yeah, fuck great yeah. sort of exploration. And I just, I really, I think the thing this show has in its strength so profoundly is that it's, it's set all over the world. I think this show could have very, very, very easily slipped into an America-centric mm-hmm kind of um, even a developed nation's kind of version of the narrative and very like, Mm -hmm. you know, if it was just Tony Collette's story, it could have really been very reductive. But the fact that it's like so, it's telling so many different stories and so how this power affects so many different Mm. Like I I said it last week, but it's such, for me as, you know, a male, it's really good to see, it feels like a really good encapsulation of what um, intersectional feminism is. Mm -hmm. It's this idea of, okay, along the same line, let's draw a line with, say, women, but then let's give all women this power. Yeah. And you see that at at every point, country, mm-hmm. every race, every uh, income stream, it affects them differently. Yes. And it's such a great way to kind of go, that's what's happening. They're all women, but mm-hmm. they're all in very different structures or they all have very different power structures interplaying yes. with what they have. Yeah. It's really great. It's really lovely. And that, that scene with the daughter is really nice where she talks about her newfound power. I found that really... Um, Moving. Moving. And, and I, I mean, I'd love to hear from your perspective as a woman, but from my perspective, it was a great moment of empathy when she talked about being out late, it got dark and she didn't have to run home. Yeah. I just found that really lovely. It was really one of those lovely things to yeah. just be like, oh, yeah. I think what's been really interesting for me to watch in this show is the development of these girls getting their power and not knowing what to do with it at the start and panicking and freaking out. And now as it starts to settle in these women that they have this power, um, it starts to become a relief mm. or it starts to become a, a part of them that they really, really cherish and enjoy and need and require. I loved, I've, so far I've loved that development because at the start when they, there's this panic that don't tell anyone you've got this, you don't want to look different this seems people are going to think I'm crazy. I don't want people to think that I'm out to hurt anyone, blah, 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 blah. And then this slow build to, 
And then you look at Roxy's story, which was last week, but if you look at that story, um, what she's done with her power, which is this very destructive, Mm. uh, self-destructive kind of, um, it's had a self-destructive kind of effect on her life. But in Joss's case, it's that slow build to realising like, just being Moana. Moana. Sorry, I'll call her by her real name, Moana. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was rude of me. I'm so sorry. Um, I've loved that. I've loved that development. I that, think that, that that's really cool. That um, there's like there's almost it's also like what you were saying. There's also individuals in the mix. Yeah, that's something that art can do so much better than other things is capture. There's these big ideas mm-hmm. and there's these big societal concepts, but there's still individuals. Yeah, and and there's still individual choice and like Roxy's, mm. you know, she is both a product of her circumstance, but she's also an individual and, and how she chooses to use these powers mm-hmm. um, is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's really I just hate that I, I don't like what, like I want to watch the next episode so bad, but yeah. we're not recording for a bit now. So Unless I don't want to because I, sorry. Unless we find a window. I'm going to Sydney, mate. But you'll have been to Sydney to the listener. That's true. But I'm saying right now, sitting across no, from No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really just want to know what happens. Yeah, I just want to watch it as well. I'm but um, do you know what I was also I'm curious about? Yeah. What the fuck are we going to do when this when the power ends? Do we just go back to his 90s thrillers? It feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> it feels strange to do that. It's nice but not. But this is the thing. We're funnier when we're kind of not enjoying a thing. Now we're just like, <laughs> yeah, this is good. Yeah, that's the thing. So people are like, oh, Mission Zack, they're funny as fuck. No, when we're actually just enjoying a show, I just like catching up with my friend. You know when you like have a show you like and you and your friend talk about that show over a coffee or whatever? That's what this is. This is what this is, except we're forcing like... 12 or 13 people to listen to us do it. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, we've had a lot of, just very, very quickly, yeah. side note, a uh, lot of interest in merch, Zach. Oh, yeah. So many people want a sexy Luigi jumper. No, I love that. I'm so on board with the notion of that. Yeah. It is at the moment a notion. Um, uh, because I will, once these microphones are off, talk you through the uh, process. Admin. And I don't <laughs> want to deal with the admin. <laughs> If someone wants to deal with the admin for us, <laughs> no. they're fucking welcome. We'll figure it out. We'll figure so, it out. Two Hamishes. We need an Andy for the admin. No, Andy doesn't do the admin. You need like a person you've never heard of to do the admin. Mm, like a Ryan Sheldon. No, Ryan. We've heard of Ryan Sheldon. <laughs> a Rove McManus. Why are you saying people? <laughs> <laughs> that have worked with Hamish and Andy before. Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, none of them do the admin. They're all like talented uh, comedians in their own right. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, but no, merch is great. I would love to do some merch. Mm. I could, I could tell you. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll chat about that. Uh, Let's just do magnets. Magnets seems easier. Magnets are easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just do some magnets or a tote bag. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted totes. You were anti-tote and I've I had have, a lot I'm of a people. Real, I'm a real anti-tote guy. A lot of people have said they want the totes, man. Really? Yeah. People like totes? Yeah, they like totes. I thought we could do potholders. Potholders? Yeah, for one pot pasta. Oh, we haven't talked about one pot pasta. I'm off one pot pasta. I'm not. I never stop thinking about it. Yeah, but I don't make it anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's because you've stopped being gross. You finally succumbed. No, do you know and what I've said learnt? that yes, it's disgusting. I've learned the lesson I've learned from one pot pasta is make sure you cook the pasta in little enough water mm. that the water has some of the and then you keep some of the pasta water for the sauce. Oh stodgy as No, no, that's that's a thing. That chefs do that. No, one pot pasta is foul. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I you know, I was just trying to make life easier. I I, <laughs> I, I, I used too many dishes when I cook. Yeah, fair. Um, Do you have any last final thoughties? Like, why am I sharing? Like, why does the world need to know that I use too many dishes when I cook? <laughs> We've run out of stuff, man. I'm just really looking forward to talking about the next episode because I can't wait to watch it. I'm so excited. Final thoughts. Oh, this is a tough one. Why? So close to a five. Mate, I was hoping that you and I would make eye contact at some point during this and nod at each other in agreement because I think I'm there. I really do think I'm, I'm almost ready, but I know what you mean. It's like on the tip of my tongue, but I can't say it. I can't say it. But, if it. but like the way I'm looking at it is I gave a four and a half for episode three. That's, I held off. I, didn't, I haven't given a four and a half yet. Have yeah, I? I have though. 
This is why I didn't give a four and a half. Because you reckon this one was a four and a half. I'm going full five. You go five. All right, I'm going five. This is a five Leguizamo episode for me. Um, I think it was like his acting in this is impeccable. It's a character I've never seen him play before. I've seen him play dads. I've seen him play daddies. But this is a very, very different character. And I just think he's great. There's a scene where um, that person comes and says, we want you to research and we will find we'll give you lots of money to research and distribute and ultimately push this drug that removes the organ from these girls like castrates them is what mm. how he put it chemically castrates and them. he was just like i'm not going to do that that's fucked and she leaves her and she goes just no like it'd be very it'd be really great for your notoriety and money and she leaves and he's just leaning against a window yeah. and he's looking at her leave and it's this beautiful shot of him in his office and it's just like if I was given the direction to lean against a window, I would look so deeply uncomfortable and like like a big fuckhead, like like one of those big like oh deep in thought leaning moments. And his is just it, it does it so well. He's very good. He's really good. Anyway, he gets five from me, and I I loved I loved this episode. I loved him in this episode. I could watch him do this that fight scene every day for the rest of my goddamn life. The fight scene for me was so great. There was so much colour. He was really good in it. He had such a great emotional journey. I mean, he's a supporting actor in this in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. You know, this is this is not his character's story. And that's the one thing that's kind of <laughs> making me go, ooh, is that five? But then... I think that's very in keeping with Leguizamo. That's exactly it. Mm. A great third build performance. Mm. Well, actually, and John Leguizamo. No, he's first build, I believe. Tony's first build, I think. I think she's and Tony Collette. (gasps) So for him to be first build, I believe, and her to be and Tony Collette, to get it at John Leguizamo, Tony Collette sandwich. (laughs) What a delicious sandwich with a Moana filling. Also, I don't want it, this to feed into it, but I recently saw something that he apparently tips all waiters and um, yeah, I saw that too. Deliverers a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, did you also see his amazing quote about um, trans rights? No, but that I'm got sure sent it was to me. Great. Perfect. It was just perfect. He's like, of course, I'm in support. My friends, family—they've made me who I am today. I love them all very much, and I would I never love say Johnny Legs. He's just, I'm just so glad, aren't you? Because when we started this podcast, all we knew was that we liked him as an actor. Yeah, I'm so glad that he's not a corrupt cunt. Also, gotta say, what a journey! Like we really did pick a good wave. He's he's on. Oh, the oh, absolutely. And we're gonna write. I reckon. Mark my words. By the end of next year, we'll have at least 25 listeners. <laughs> 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 we will ride this wave. To a quarter hunch. <laughs> but I think, like, I keep thinking, like, I think there was definitely an element when we started doing this podcast where we didn't realise how famous he was in America. Yeah, no. 100%. We didn't realise how big of a, of a, of a, his one man shows were yeah. and that sort of thing. Also how iconic and important he was to the Latin community. Yeah, right? Mm. Now, there was just a bit of a blind spot there from Australia, right? Also... We watch everything he does. Yes. So he is very present in our lives like he wasn't when we started yes. doing this podcast. That being said, I remember every single guest we got on the podcast, we would go, do you know who John Leguizamo is? And except for the very rare, great occasion, it was usually a, oh, that guy. Yes, 100%. And I think he is moving out of, oh, that guy. Mm-hmm. In Australia, I think there has been a fair amount of movement away from yeah, that. I, I agree. Th- I really think he's like coming to the foreground. I mean, he's got a million followers on Instagram. He's. I really. Think I have he's a feeling someone a manages his Instagram now too. <laughs> yeah. I reckon that's happened in the last few years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really do. <laughs> I think he always had someone. There was always the tone of "Can you go live?" and then he goes live, but no one told him how to go live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I think someone's helping him more. Yeah. Yeah. I just think he is having a moment. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, I give this five leg with <gasps> Zach! It's a leg with It's a leg Yay! Do you want it's going to be shit, though, as if the next episode isn't a five? But no, let's, let's have this moment. It's good. That's okay. This isn't his story. No, it's fine. So if, if it moves away from him, this isn't like ER. 
if it drifts away from him, that's okay. We had our little mm. Leguizamarama, but we're loving the story anyway. I, I still stick by my – I didn't know that this was my process to get to five Leguistamos, but I stand by it now that I know. It's if I can't imagine anyone else doing it. Yeah, I can't imagine I anyone else in this role this episode than John. Being and also, good. if someone didn't know him, I would use this as an example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, like, that episode was – some like – I was thinking about it. I'm like, what would John, like, who would someone else be? And it's like, they wouldn't do it with the same. No, it wouldn't be the same. Fun, interesting, like, he's playing the character so well. Mm. Um, I do feel, however. But I think that's not my only rule and I don't live by it as much as you do. I think I, I, it's more of a gut thing for me. No, no, I'm on board with that, but it always seems to be that I always end up going back to, I think this is it for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, what were you going to say? I've forgotten. Okay, no worries. Uh, obviously, wasn't that important. Thank you to all of our listeners for being on board. If you're loving the power, let us know because we love the bloody power. And we love you. This is such a fun little thing for us to do. It really means, like, honestly, it's so nice. I love doing this podcast. I do. I'm, I'm on a good, I'm on a good, I'm in, I'm in a good place with this podcast right now. Same. I'm, the comedy festival has made me so happy. I love doing my show so much. I'm in a really, really lovely place. And every week when we sit down to do this podcast, I'm just in a very good mood about the choices I've made oh, professionally. Oh, Mish. And thank you so much for all your support, everyone listening. If we, if we do ever do merch, we'll let you know. Well, yeah, uh, well, I'd hope so. It's not going to do merch and not tell anybody. Oh, you'd, you'd be surprised. You would be surprised. I'd probably forget. <laughs> How many people just don't mention the merch? Yeah, fair. Uh, but thank you so much, everybody, for um, for all of your love, uh, all 12 of you. Mm. Um, taking us out now uh, from Tom Armstrong is a track from his debut album, Napoleon in Rags. Mm-hmm. Um, just one of his old songs from his rock group. I'd love to hear Tom, that. thank you so much. Uh, Mish, thank you. Thank See you, you Zach. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.